Welcome to WFEV's What's What. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Jay Doherty. And I'm Robin Shannon. Here are today's headlines. Today marks the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Nearly 3,000 people lost their lives in the terrorist attacks on that day. But their stories live on through the memories and history preserved in their honor. To commemorate today's tragic events, the 9-11 Memorial and Museum is holding special programming to honor the lives of those lost at Ground Zero. WFUV's David Escobar speaks with museum director Clifford Shannon to learn more about how the museum works to preserve the stories of the lives lost on 9-11. Can you just tell me a little bit about the work you guys do at the museum? The museum itself, which has been open now for nearly 10 years, has really grown extraordinarily. But we've also developed a range of programs that uh, really take us around the world in terms of the lessons of 9-11, the story of 9-11, the story of the people. And so, for example, today, as it's on every anniversary day, we do something called a digital learning experience, which is a recorded film that we make each year, a new one thematically organized around people's stories of their 9-11 day that is then distributed to schools around the country and around the world. And on the day itself, these many kids who have watched this can go online for a live chat with a dozen or more of our staff members who spend the day answering questions from young people for whom this is history that is unknown. And so obviously our responsibility has a lot to do with commemoration. But over the years, we've learned increasingly that education is a critical part of commemoration. You know, for somebody who wasn't there of my generation to remember what exactly happened, I'm curious, what do you remember most about that day? Well, I was home in Brooklyn across the river and, uh, you know, quite close to lower Manhattan. Actually had plans to go into the city that morning, but the Brooklyn Bridge was blocked as I was approaching it, which was when the second plane hit the South Tower. It's still hard to fathom what actually happened. But for me, the most sort of powerful memory of the day was a little bit later uh, that morning, the smoke was blowing our way in Brooklyn from Lower Manhattan, and my kids were coming back from school. And I will never forget the kids emerging from that cloud of smoke and the recognition seeing them. The world had changed. Their world in particular had changed. We did not know what was going to happen. I can only imagine, like, being the director of the museum, the stories that you've heard from people coming from around the city. I I wonder, have any of their stories really stuck out to you? The full premise of the museum really is the first-person account of whatever someone did on that day. But the one I'm thinking about today, because uh, one of the participants in the story is here as a member of the NYPD Pipe and Drum Band. Uh, This is an emergency service NYPD officer, Patty McGee, who now retired, but nonetheless responded. He tells the story of being underground 20 feet, 30 feet with the degree shifting, with the fire coming up around them, and the commitment that he and those other three, who were another ESU cop, a Marine, and an EMT, the commitment that they made simply to stay there and do what eventually they did, which was to rescue Officer Will Jimeno of the PAPD. It's an extraordinary story, and it tells so much about 
the nature of the response on 9-11, particularly first responders and what they did above and beyond what anybody would ever have imagined that they would be asked to do. That was WFUV's David Escobar speaking with Clifford Channon, the director of the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. There's a misconception that only first responders have access to health care after being exposed to toxins from the 9-11 attacks. That means hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers don't know they're eligible for help. That's why the 9-11 Notice Act requires businesses that operated near Ground Zero to notify past employees that they could be eligible for federal benefits and health monitoring. See, the challenge is finding people who worked around Lower Manhattan, since many have moved away, and some of the victims are paying out of pocket or even going bankrupt while receiving medical treatment. There's also those who believe the misconception that federal funds are only for first responders. Over 6,000 people have died from 9-11-related illnesses over the last 22 years. Hurricane Lee is swirling over the Atlantic Ocean. This is how serious it is. The storm's wind speed jumped from 80 to 160 miles per hour in the span of just one day. In 24 hours, Lee was upgraded from a tropical storm to a Category 5 hurricane. And while the storm is expected to stay offshore when it passes the New York Tri-State, we'll still pay a price with flooding and riptides. Last night, the Federal Aviation Administration reported that there were average delays of over four hours for flights at JFK Airport. And earlier in the day, the FAA grounded planes at LaGuardia for nearly three hours. According to data from FlightAware, Newark, LaGuardia, and JFK collectively reported more than 600 flight cancellations and upwards of 500 delays over the weekend. There seems to be a lack of political knowledge among Latinos in New York. That's according to a new poll. BSP Research says the reason could be many Latinos don't feel represented by their representatives. Joining us now is WFUV's Emma Murphy. So, Emma, to start off, how did Jennifer Lopez's name even come up on this survey? Yeah, so J-Lo made the list of influential Latino leaders in New York, despite not being a politician. To be fair, she was at the bottom of the list, with only 2.5% of respondents selecting her. So who was at the top of the list? That would be the one and only Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a.k.a. AOC. The outspoken representative is from New York's 14th District, which covers parts of the Bronx and Queens. But the poll had some pretty limited coverage, right? Yeah, only about half of people surveyed gave a response. A quarter of people refused to answer the survey, and a quarter of people couldn't name anybody. Wow, so it seems like Latinos feel a little out of touch with government? The poll suggests that's probably true. It wasn't just Latino representation that Latinos weren't sure of. Over 30% didn't know who either of their senators were. And maybe more concerningly, 40% of Latinos didn't feel that their perspective was represented in New York state government. So did the poll give any insight on how they could feel more involved? Well, not directly, but 90% of respondents did say that they felt it was important that more Latinos were in leadership positions. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today, Emma. It was great to be here. And today is the birthday of Richard Melville Hall. Don't know who he is? Well, better known as Moby. The musician, activist, and Harlem native claims he got his name from his great, great, great uncle, Herman Melville, the author of Moby Dick. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm Jay Doherty. And I'm Robin Shannon. And that's What's What. What's What.